0: Okay. <laughs> that was good. Zach are you ready to get in bed with me
1: I sure am
0: <laughs> great thank you so much for coming back on the podcast mm-hmm. this is Zachary Sane bisexual icon author of Boy Fled a memoir and manifesto, sex columnist for Men's Health and Cosmo, and a slut.
1: That's true. <laughs> I'm all those things, baby.
0: Yes, you are. Okay. I want to talk to Sack about his journey as a bisexual person, some of the things he's written about, and just some thoughts on some subjects. Okay? Yeah. So let's start with, can you compare the Sack from 10 years ago And today?
1: It's it's wild that I haven't been asked that question before for all the podcasts that I've done. Um, He's different. I can tell you that much. He's grown a lot. I think 10 years ago, 22, uh, I was still in the closet. I was getting blacked out in order to hook up with guys and justifying it by being super drunk. So being like, oh, well, it doesn't count because I'm drunk or I was just horny or mouth is a mouth. And it's like... That's not how that works. If you like hooking up with people drunk, you probably like hooking up with them sober. You just have a little bit of internalized biphobia or homophobia or shame you need to overcome, right? And I'm, I, I feel like infinitely happier than I am now than I was back then. I think I was confused about my identity. I felt like I didn't have a community. I felt I didn't know who I was. I wasn't sure, like... If I was gay or straight, so I didn't even know... Like, I wanted to have a partner, but I didn't even know who I should ask out on a date. Should I be asking a man out on a date or a woman out on a date? Like, I couldn't even know how to pursue love and relationships and connections. And this really kept me up at night, you know? I would to spend a lot of nights, like, tossing and turning. And, like, I felt like I was, like, an AI robot that just gained sentience being like, Who am I? What am I? So, like, <laughs> it, it was... It, it was hard, and, and I'm really happy to see, you know, as I answer this, like, I'm, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of the amount of growth that I've had, and that this has taken a lot of time and effort and work and introspection. And it's good to know that it does pay off.
0: That's so nice. Okay, I'm also proud of you.
1: Thank you, honey. I appreciate it.
0: What about the sack from today with the sack that you think you'll be or hope to be in 10 years
1: it, it, it's I don't even know you know what I mean if you asked me 10 years ago would I be doing this I thought I was gonna be working at the bottom of a dingy lab doing like classic clinical research and instead I'm in bed with you so you know it, it's quite different so it's it's really challenging to predict considering how much have I've grown and changed in the past decade however you asked a question let me do my best to answer it um I bet you I'll be pretty similar. You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to see that level of growth I had from 22 to 32, from 32 to 42. I think I hope to be a little bit further along in my career where I have... I mean, my columns are great and I'm very... Without, you know, humble bragging here. He's great. No, he's great. I'm very accomplished in where I am now, but I would love to have written some more books. I'd like to be a little bit more... uh, financially stable which also has to do with the fact that i spend frivolously and love going to concerts and i love going to strip clubs so that's on me personally <laughs> and i understand that but, but that's but,
0: your lifestyle you want to be able to yeah and i do period. it and yeah. I, exactly
1: i want to be able to do that um i yeah and i think just expanding a little bit from what i'm doing now in terms of career-wise where it's not just going like i wrote this memoir I I can't write a memoir every year, nor would I want to. Like, I said what I wanted to say in my book. I said what I wanted to say in Boy Slut. Maybe 10 years from now, I can talk about the next 10 years, like, how that things have changed. But I I just hope I keep going in the direction that I am going. Continue with work, continuing getting better with every single relationship. Of course, even though, you know, I'm a relationship expert, I still struggle in my relationships. I still struggle with communication. I'm still not perfect. So just constantly improving where I am with my partners, and hopefully being in a relationship, you know, um, more of a long-term relationship and stable relationship when I'm like 42 sounds, sounds nice, and I'd like to have that for myself.
0: Okay, let's talk about you settling down or having a longer-term relationship because you mentioned a lot in your book, and I think I've heard you say it a few times, that it's very important to you to settle down with a man, a bisexual man, because that's For you, for your queer identity, why is that so important for you to feel queer?
1: It's, I mean, it's interesting. And while I haven't necessarily changed my belief on that, like, I think maybe I'm being a little bit more open now than I used to be. But I think first things first, I've had the healthiest relationship with other bisexual men. And I don't think that's an accident. I think when we relate to each other's experiences uh when we have similar mindsets in the way that we approach the world we're very much just on the same page and that that's nice you know what I mean so if I've had these consistently healthy happy relationships with bi men I think it's a great thing to pursue and recognize that about myself you know what I mean I also like for me it's really important to be perceived as queer And it's a little sad that that's the case, right? Because I'm equally as bi, I'm equally as queer if I'm in a relationship with a woman. That doesn't mean I'm any less queer or bi, but the way I'm perceived is different. You know, and I like going out to gay spaces. I like going out to the Eagle or male sex parties. And I want to be able to bring my partner to that. You know, my primary partner, my boyfriend, husband. And of course, you know, I could be dating a woman and she has her own lesbian parties and I go to my own gay parties. uh, But like, I want to be able to share that with them. However... You know, the more confident I feel in my bisexuality, the more I'm like, you know what, I'm still bi regardless. Yes, there will be some additional challenges, some spaces I won't be welcome in the same way. But if I end up falling in love with a woman and that's where I go, I'm not going to be like, well, no, because, that, because you're not a man, I'm breaking up with you. Like, no, that's not it. But as I am purposely pursuing people and deciding who I go out on dates with okay, well, let's try to prioritize by men. You know what I mean? Like, let's put myself in that situation.
0: Okay. What are some things that make you feel extremely bisexual? Like, what affirms your bisexuality when you do what?
1: Uh, Honestly, while I'm, like, fucking a woman while getting fucked by a dude at the same time, I think there's nothing more bisexual (laughs) than that. I think that's the pinnacle of bisexuality. And obviously, yes, it's hot, it's kinky, but, like, Jokes aside, it actually is quite affirming. You know what I mean? Like, when I have sex with a, you know, a a 250-pound hairy muscle bottom, I'm not like, oh, this is very bisexual. I'm like, this is some gay-ass shit. That's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? When I'm having sex with a woman, I'm like, this isn't bisexual. I, I feel like, you know, it's straighter version. So, like, this is a way to feel particularly bi while doing it. Um... And again, I, I think the other elements where I feel particularly bi is when I'm surrounded by my bi friends. You know what I mean? And the importance of community where it's like, oh, I'm not picking to go to a gay club. I'm not picking to go to a straight club. I'm not hiding one half of myself or putting on, yeah, my straight hat or bi or gay hat. Like, when I'm actually just like, oh, this is all of me. I'm expressing all of my bisexuality. The other people here understand my experiences and share in it. Then I feel very affirmed as a bi person.
0: Okay. How do you live so authentically? It's what I look up most about you. I think it's so admirable. I have such a hard time doing it. I still hide certain parts of myself with some people in my life. Like, what is your advice for people to be more authentically them?
1: It's, yeah. And I don't want to make it, seem, like, of course, there are things that I keep private. You know what I mean? Yes, I'm authentic. I'm very much who I am. What you see is what you get. Uh, I remember I felt like when you first met me after being knowing me online, you were like, you know what, he's exactly who I thought he would be like. It wasn't like you were meeting someone new. You're like, no, yeah. this is this is Zach. This makes sense. Um, it, it, it's it's so funny because in the beginning it seems like it's so much harder to live authentically, and then once you actually start doing it, it actually is easier. And you are so much happier. And you are so much more fulfilled. And I'm not going to say there are not challenges. Of course we live in a fucking homophobic, biphobic, transphobic, sexist, racist world. You know what I mean? And being yourself, people will treat you like shit. But it's also learning, okay, I don't need to hang out with those people. You get to choose who you get to hang out with for the most part. You don't choose your family, maybe in work, whatever it is. But in the places that you can choose your friends, like prioritizing and having people that allow you to to live authentically. And I've surrounded myself with people who love the real me, where I get to be the real me, and that's allowed me to be the real me. So the importance of finding that friend group, or as queer people we often say chosen family, um, is vital in being able to authentically be yourself.
0: You wrote an amazing article on your zine that speaks about... If you stay clearly, we're having something casual, and it's clear, and you've said it multiple times, and yet, you still do a couple things, like holding hands, going on cute days, or calling each other pet names, um, what is your deal about? <laughs> with that? What is I agree. Do- I agree with what you said, but I want you to tell them, because... Some people would say that no, you're leading them on because yes, you said you wanted something casual, but at the same time, you're doing everything that people do in committed relationships. Yeah. But if you state it clear enough, then what speaks louder, your actions or your words?
1: It's, and I want to clarify like, this is not like a commitment issue type deal. There's certain people like who just don't admit that this is their boyfriend or girlfriend. For me, it's the reason why I'm saying this is uh, you know, I'm not looking for a primary partner, this is casual, it has to do with literal time commitment, so what ends up happening is, like, when I'm with you, I don't plan, even though we're doing this, I'm not gonna see you three days a week, I'm not seeing you, like, I might only be seeing you once every three weeks, and that's the amount of time I can give you, and when I'm with you, we have this incredible experience, that doesn't mean I wanna text you every day, like, like, I like being with the person, present with that person, and then when I'm not with you, I'm present with other people, um, And that's how it is. So often, like, the reason why I'm doing this is it's not... It's a matter of time, and they're not the person I want to spend all this time with. That's the truth of it.
0: But even if you have the time and you just want to keep it casual... Yeah. Is it okay to still do all the cute little things with them?
1: I, I mean, the thing is, I think it is. I think it is if you communicate that consistently. However, you know, I've run into situations where I've been clear about this... Or at least I thought I was really fucking clear about this. And, like, they end up getting more attached. They end up falling in love. And then I end up being the asshole breaking up with them. And, you know, if something keeps happening in your relationships, you like, you gotta be the one doing it. I can't blame this on other people. You know what I mean? This is something, it's doing it. So, for me, like... And I've spoken to other friends about this and like, Zach, like save the cutesy things for someone you want a relationship with or do it with your friends. You don't have, you have a nice picnic day. I mean, it's different with your friends, obviously, but you can still go to the park and have a nice picnic day or go apple picking with your friends. And for me, it's like, it's a little like.
0: But why? I disagree. I think I have the cutest first dates. I love the cute things and I... I will keep doing them. I why is that reserved for committed relationships? It shouldn't be. I want to hold hands with the fucking stranger, and I do. I think it's fine. I
1: I, I I think it's 100% fine. However, a lot of people truthfully can't handle it. And so that's just being a pain. That ends up being a pain in the ass for me. So even yeah. though I'm ethically in the right in doing this, and I wish people were so much more honest with themselves about being like, hey, I actually don't think I can handle this. I really think I, I'm I'm starting to like you more than you like me this is too hard. We need to stop seeing each other. But no one fucking says that. You know what I mean? You should say that. And very few people no actually admit that. that to themselves. Yeah. And then like, it's weird when you start reaffirming your boundaries of being like, you sure you're not falling in love with me? Cause it seems like you're falling in love with me. And now we're, and now this is awkward. And like, you just kind of seem like a dick. And so again, why I think you are ethically in the right and like, and I've had people say, like, oh, you're taking away their autonomy by deciding for them whether they can handle this or not. And and it's like, at this point, I'm like, well, it's, again, it like, it's no longer a matter of, I think this is ethical. I think if you communicate this and you give other people an opportunity, but if you see that they cannot handle it and therefore this is no longer fun for you, then you have the right to break things up. But I I just wish people were more honest about it. And I think is, the whole point of being queer and non-monogamous is that we're allowed to have these types of relationships. It's encouraged. We don't have to abide by the straight.
0: Narrative. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, straight, monogamous, boring shit. And I understand when you're looking for marriage how this can be confusing. But it's like, I'm not doing that. I exist outside these circles and spaces. And, like, I was hoping this is one of the benefits of it. But it, the truth of the matter is, without sounding like a dick, a lot of people can't handle it.
0: Yeah, but I think (laughs) I'm still going to do it. I mean, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm still, I I think I'm getting better at realizing who, if I have a gut feeling that this person's not the one who's going to be able to handle this, like, actually going with my gut, because there are plenty of people who also, like, have a proven track record of being able to handle this and do this, and this is a type of relationship they thrive and love in and excel, like, so like uh, also going with my gut a little bit more and being like okay i'm not sure if this is the type of relationship i can have with this person and
0: okay but it is possible
1: of course it's possible i want to
0: say that because we do the cutest things and we are not together yeah so you can do it it's (laughs)
1: absolutely possible and also yeah and you know also knowing yourself and being like hey if this is something i can't do don't pretend it is something you can do
0: yeah okay okay Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but it's fine. We're doing the right. No, thing.
1: I think again at the, I don't think I'm a fuck boy. I. Th- I mean, I'm. I'm a little bit of a fuck boy, but like no, but no, you're like, not. No, I'm not. I'm a soft boy. You soft boy. I'm a soft boy. You're um,
0: fine, but this is like a controversial topic because, like, do actions speak louder than words? What if you clearly speak your boundaries, your your desires, and you your actions say something else? Just because society says. It's Just because society says holding hands is for a committed relationship, why? Like, it doesn't yeah. fucking have to be.
1: Really? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, fuck that. Sorry. Okay. Um, the thing that gets Zack into trouble a lot of times, <laughs> and he speaks about this in his book, is about his love for unprotected sex.
1: The way you're framing it's, this is hilarious.
0: Uh, it's true. It
1: is true. Like, and I'll, cl- I'll clarify a little bit.
0: The review, the only, like, the negative reviews that Sack gets, which are uncalled for just because you missed the point, what he's trying <laughs> to say. It, they're about this. And Sack is so open about his preferences, right? And it's literally a preference. He's not telling people to go have unprotected sex. He's just like, that's what I want and I'm willing to take. The risk.
1: It's so funny. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I literally say in the book, I'm like, I'm not advocating for you to have unprotected sex. Like, I, I want to be very clear <laughs> about this. But I am advocating for sexual autonomy. And I think you should be allowed to make the decisions about your body that you want to do with the consent of your partners. You know, and I know the risks of what happens if I get gonorrhea or chlamydia or the antibiotics that I need to take. I get tested frequently. I let my partners know that I'm high risk. If they want to have unprotected sex, often what I do, if I, I'm gonna have unprotected sex with someone, is I'll get tested, and then immediately after getting tested, the results are negative. Then I have unprotected sex with them. But it's like people are so dishonest about the last time they were tested, about how often. Some they'd...
0: people have never gone tested, but, and oh, they're oh, like, or they'll be I like, have... "Oh, I'm
1: safe. I know. Trust me." I... It's like that's not how this <laughs> fucking works. I tell you the time I'm tested. I will show you my results, and I think it allows for people to decide for themselves, hey, I don't feel comfortable having sex with you without a condom, fine, some people are like, I don't feel comfortable having sex with you, period, because you have unprotected sex, great, that's why I told you, um, and obviously there's different risks for men, or, you know, for, uh, people born male versus people born female, like, it's a lot easier STIs on penises than they are on, like, vaginas, there are potential more serious side effects of vaginas, but, like, you are allowed to take this risk. And also this idea, the people who come for me, I'm like, are you telling me you've protected sex every single time? Like, like Yeah, the are,
0: double standard on like, the standard. like Of
1: course they don't. And I find it interesting, you know, we don't wear, for the most part, we don't have, like, oral sex with condoms. But you can get oral gonorrhea, you can get oral chlamydia. I've gotten that. And, like, but that's a risk that society says is kind of like, well, that's just gonna happen. And we accept yeah. that risk. And it's like, well hold on, like, if you can still get it through that way, why can't I accept the risk of having unprotected sex with that? And, like, people sometimes will use, like, the antibiotic... Oh, well, you're going to get antibiotic resistance. And I'm like, that, theoretically, is an argument that's valid, but it's actually not. Because the way the CDC actually recommends... um, they Literally, the CDC recommends treatment upon exposure... Uh, because they're afraid people are not going to come back in if they're positive, which means so many people are taking antibiotics that do not need it. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, that is part of the issue. Part of the issue is people actually don't take the entire dose of their antibiotics. like
0: Or they self-prescribe or they self-prescribe? And also,
1: literally right now, the CDC recommended taking doxy as a form of PEP or PrEP. So they're literally recommending you take... Uh, doxycycline if you're having unprotected sex because it prevents against gonorrhea and chlamydia by, like, 80%, 90%, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that could potentially increase risk of antibiotic-resistant yeah. gonorrhea because people will be taking this, and if they still get it while taking doxy, that can lead to antibiotic resistance. So it's like, the way the CDC is approaching this is far worse than me getting treated.
0: When you per- do get
1: it. When I do get it mm-hmm. periodically and doing the correct dose. Yeah. So the argument of, like, oh, you're worsening and like like that's not i'm sorry but that's actually not valid and
0: it's your risk you are taking that risk if they don't want to take that risk they don't i think it's all about having all of the information you have very clear what the risk uh, risks are what the benefits and what the possible consequences are going to be and you decide for yourself what you're comfortable with. That's what with. it is. And, and, like, and this
1: is not me being a fuck boy who's like, oh, I can't wear condoms because I can't come with that. Like, no, that's coercion. That's manipulation. That's fucked up. Yeah, fuck that's not what guys. we're saying. That's not <laughs> what we're talking about because um,
0: sag will put on a condom if you ask him to and he will and, and not I often, I, and i ask
1: to work hey yeah. do you want me to wear a condom yeah. and that's usually what i ask again it's a different context yeah. versus a grinder hookup mm-hmm. where no one wears condoms i'm not gonna be like do you want me to wear a condom because we will be like what the fuck no <laughs> well, that's the whole point but with women i always ask because that's like yeah uh, that's more of a standard I feel like in that you, situation you
0: didn't even ask me the first time we had sex like it wasn't even a conversation like you know, I like, just grabbed the condom. Yeah, yeah. You just did. Like it's Because
1: also I'm not asking people who I've like, usually for me to have unprotected sex with you as a woman, I'm not doing it the first time we have sex. Yeah. Like this means we like we do know each other, we've discussed it, we've spoken about it mm-hmm. prior. I don't want to be like right as we're about to like, start having sex, yeah. being like, Do you not want to wear it? like no no no, this is something we've had sex a few mm-hmm. times. Here's where I am. Do you want to start wearing not wearing a condom? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a conversation, it's not something that's happening right beforehand. Yeah. But it's, yeah people get very upset. Uh, I think and I think a lot of that comes from honestly STI shaming. I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of sex negativity that comes in this. I think there's a lot of slut shaming um, and again, like part of this is also knowing the level of risk that you're taking, which speaks to the need That's of better it. sexual education yeah. and sexual health. So you actually know the risk that you're taking. The yeah. number of people who do not know that you can get oral gonorrhea is insane are not getting purposely swabbed in their yeah. mouths who are not yeah. getting purposely swabbed in their assholes like, you?
0: even when people get tested I'm like, oh did you get throat swab what's that
1: they don't even know yeah. but it's like i feel like i'm so educated so honest so transparent giving people autonomy respecting my own sexual autonomy um that, yeah I like yeah it, it's it's not like if it's not for you then it's not for you don't shame how other people are living yeah. their lifestyle
0: okay i I agree but i wanted to talk about it because i think it's so important like it's just the risk you're willing to take period if you have all the information that's it okay on a lighter note Mm -hmm. tell us about kinks you've recently discovered you had and how you came to figure this out uh
1: kinks i recently discovered i have Yeah,
0: recently like in the past couple months or
1: something uh Oh my god, I kind of like, like, a death kink. Like, it's not like I want to die, but I want you to, like, choke me up to the point of, like, near death and talk about killing me. With
0: a dick or with...
1: A dick, with a titty in my mouth, oh, right, I'm cho- with one. choking, like, but I kind of like the idea of, like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like, and it, it, usually the way it's done, it's very playful, to be okay, clear. Th- like, this is not, like, talk a serious... Talk about one
0: experience.
1: Talk about one. I had one recently I was having this threesome was with some friends of one? mine where she, like, put her tits in my mouth and, like, so much in it that I couldn't breathe. And she's like, yeah, you're going to choke on this titty. And I'm like, it worked.
0: And he he couldn't come. It's because you couldn't come. Yeah, it's struggling.
1: And we we were getting creative (laughs) here. where It's like, all right, what weird-ass shit do we need to get into? And I'm just like, yeah, you want to die on this titty? I was like, yeah, I kind of do want to die on this titty.
0: And he came. And I came.
1: (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing what works.
0: Yeah. Okay, what about King's? You never thought you'd be into, like, ten years ago, however many years ago. But you are.
1: I mean, that's, like, everything now. I Honestly, there are very few things I'm not into. It's just, like, everything is hot. I'm down to try something new. If you're turned on by it, I'm turned on by it. Uh, there's certain, like, pain elements that I don't enjoy. Because I just don't like that Or you're ticklish,
0: pain. like your feet. I'm
1: very ticklish. Uh, I don't like, there's a certain type of like, I like more like playful pain scenes if I'm doming, what's like a serious, like, I don't want to beat the shit out of you the way like some mm-hmm. doms do. Like, I, I just don't. And if you're like actively like sad and crying, I'm not going to be like, that just doesn't do it for me. But like, obviously it's like a spanking, if it's like a hot spanking, more playful doming scene, I'm into that.
0: Okay. Anything you hard know, like, you don't even want to try.
1: I mean, I have no desire to do scat play. Like, that's, like, not...
0: Scat play is playing with poop, for those that don't know.
1: Um, I mean, it's also, like, uh, the number of times someone has shat on my deck or I've shat on their deck. You know, it's just, like, that's the thing but of anal. But that happens. Yeah, that's anal. That's not, like, a purposeful yeah. thing. <laughs> At least they maybe did it on purpose because they were into it. I don't know. But, like, um... Like I have no idea to uh, no desire for it. Um. Again, like, who the fuck knows? what if some a partner super into, I'll I, ask I, you
0: in five years and we'll talk. Yeah,
1: like I don't know, but that that one's it. Just really, I really don't see it doing anything okay. for me.
0: What about knife play? Have you? Oh, blood play. Have you done? Anything I've done about? blood play,
1: mm-hmm. and needle play. For me, it was very not sexual. It was like intense, and you get the adrenaline rush from it. Mm-hmm. But like. Uh, not
0: like I, hot, like turns you on.
1: Yeah, it was just more of like a, a fun, wild activity. And I wonder if I did it, maybe because I was so nervous the first time doing it. But if I like, did it maybe more, felt more comfortable and did it in a way that could be sexualized, that'd be interesting. But for me, it's not particularly like sexual.
0: Okay. You sell a very specific brand. You know what you sell. You know what kind of content you put out there. It's for a very specific reason. This is what you want to sell. But... Are you happy with the ideas that people have of you?
1: Um yeah yes and no. Uh you know what I mean? Like I, again, I am an authentic self, but like my social media, my book, well my, my book is actually definitely a lot more of me, but like my social media, it's one aspect of me. It is my sex life, it is that. And I think the one thing, and when you have a brand, you know, you promote this one, you're promoting one aspect of yourself. You are the bisexual, you're the slut, you're whatever it is. So, I understand it. But I think the one thing that's a little bit can be a little bit frustrating is when people don't realize like there is more to me than like sex and writing, and that I'm like a normal human being who goes through normal struggles and has like a regular life as well. Um, and so, just seeing me as being multifaceted, but again, at the same time, I don't necessarily present myself as being multifaceted. So, that's I'm doing this to myself in a way.
0: And you're okay with that? Yeah,
1: that's a choice that I've made.
0: Okay. Um, Okay, I need to talk about this because I read it in your scene and I've been obsessed ever since. You have the ability to come without touching yourself. I need to know how you discovered this and I need you to tell everyone how you do it.
1: First of all, this is not something I can control. Like, this is not, like... (laughs) Like, it, it has just happened a few times. And it's literally, I was, I think, I'm just so fucking turned on.
0: Okay, but how did it happen the first time?
1: I was getting, I had my head over this bed. This bed. This bed. Yeah, this bed's <laughs> disgusting. I don't know why you're lying in it. Like they should, these sheets should be okay, burned. Stop.
0: Just, tell, just tell the story, Zach. <laughs>
1: um, wow, sex phobic whore sex uh, magnet. Uh, germ
0: thank I'm you. I'm
1: cancelling Alexa. Yes,
0: dry-cum-phobic.
1: I tried to, actually, I did just clean my sheets I yesterday. Know. You lucked out. Yeah. Because otherwise...
0: You'd be, have cancelled?
1: <laughs> this would be, you you'd get some disease walking out of this room. <laughs> it's like, um...
0: Just tell the story, babe.
1: Okay, so I, like, literally, I was blindfolded. I left my door unlocked. <gasps> okay uh and had a stranger with a massive penis come in and i had my head over the bed and he just like throat fucked me
0: on your back
1: yes i'm on my back with my head over the side of the bed and then he's just like and i can't even see him and i just hear him like i hear the door lock did you
0: ever see his face or did you only see his penis
1: well i didn't see anything until i took off the eye mask in the end and then i saw No, but like initially
0: just his dick or did you see his face like before you oh no i think
1: it was a grinder thing so So or sniffies um so just his dick right i didn't even ask to see his face i didn't care what his face was um okay
0: so you were blindfolded door was unlocked open he came in
1: sees me nothing was said nothing was said he sees me naked and i just hear him drop his pants stick his dick in my mouth and he was just going to town and i was just so turned on
0: were you were you breathing could you breathe no
1: also the the choking the, the choking death, the definitely helps thing. me the choking definitely helps me come easier and quicker and i think the part of just like yeah like the moment i came is when i literally like could not breathe and he was coming down my throat and like holding me there and then i came to and like squirted just like on my back
0: and you were not touching yourself at any point
1: okay i maybe touched okay. myself like in the beginning but yeah. then i'd probably i at this point i'd like had to like hold on for you were dear life. yeah, yeah you this were is survival <laughs> so i hadn't touched myself for like a couple minutes yeah. but like in the beginning like yeah i'm stroking myself yeah. until it gets intense and then yeah. i'm like grabbing his like ass to right. like you know try not to die here
0: right and you can't yeah okay and the other times was it also while gagging on a dick
1: i said this only been like three times and yeah, all of them fell. have been in this context uh,
0: on this bed <laughs> yeah
1: this again gross bed it's a, uh, and again it, it's just like usually it's like i've been horny all fucking day i haven't come for a couple days i've been messaging with guys and like nothing's coming to fruition and i've just like been hard all fight it's like a day it's not like oh i just came an hour earlier it's like i've just been so horny all day and this is like a very uh rewarding culmination mm. if you will
0: well remember well no because remember the uh floridian daddy oh my
1: god that was funny you also
0: came were you touching yourself then yeah well, yeah okay yeah but you okay but having a dick gagging on dick is like very huh. arousing for you yes okay
1: and usually they're like that's like most guys are like afraid to go as hard as I'm like you can go harder yeah and then they get like a little weird and then the some guys who do it so hard are like okay now I'm actually afraid mm-hmm. yeah. uh, now okay this guy might actually kill me but that's always the hottest if, mm-hmm. as long as I if I do die gagging on dick please know like I died doing what I love <laughs> okay. a life
0: well spent any tips or have you ever tried to come like without touching yourself in any other ways or not really.
1: Um, uh, Smoking weed helps, like, because I get super fucking horny. Like, if I have, like, an edible, too, like, all of a sudden I'll be lying in bed, playing chess or reading or whatever, watching TV, some nonsense. And then I'm, like, rock hard. And I've, like, tried to just, like, watch porn and, like, essentially, like, do a little. Maybe I'll jack off just a little bit Mm -hmm. just to do it and just kind of almost practice doing it. It's yeah. kind of like a fun thing I used to do. I've not done that in a while,
0: okay. but
1: just like a fun thing.
0: Okay, but so no tips if people want to accomplish this, except to survive and like gag on deck and. Uh, well, and I, and to each it. to each yeah, their right. own.
1: To each their own. I, I okay. can't. I, what works for me is probably not going to work for you. And again, I I'm not recommending this for you. <laughs> okay. As it's always a choose your own adventure yeah. with me.
0: Okay. Do you think you are a good lover, and why? And how can someone become one?
1: I I hope so. My God, uh, I said my career is dependent upon this. Um, I I think the few things that help me is number one, I communicate. I'm very good at breaking awkward tension because sex can be awkward and you're nervous. And I'm just kind of like smiling and checking in and almost so confident and kind that it makes them feel comfortable. So that creates a better sexual experience versus sometimes, you know, when I was younger, if they're awkward, well, then I'm awkward, and now this just is an awkward sexual experience. But I've kind of learned how to make things less awkward. Um, I think owning your desires and not being able, afraid to speak up, oh my God, it'd be so hot if you did X, Y, Z. Because it's like, for me, it's almost like the more turned on I am and the more I'm enjoying it, the more my partners are enjoying it. And vice versa, if they tell me I really get turned on when you do this, I'm doing this, I see the moaning and pleasure, that turns me on. So not being afraid to advocate for what it is that you want to do. I'm also good at setting up kink scenes beforehand, so that's just a fun thing to be like, hey, let's do this, I want to try something new. I'm very good at trying new things. Um, But I I think a lot of it is, and it's tough, because like a lot of it is somewhat intuition it's reading this person's body language it's re- it's seeing their facial expressions it's see like and it's tough to kind of teach those and yes of course we talk about enthusiastic verbal consent which you need and that's important but like it's like you still need to be able to pick up on social cues you know what i mean you still need to read those things and say okay they're not really hey what else can i do for you because it doesn't seem like they're enjoying what it is that i'm doing what would really turn you on whatever it is so yeah it's having that confidence knowing what you like advocating for it and then also try to see what your partner's into
0: (laughs) okay let's talk about labels because i think some people that have chosen a label are very hesitant to explore outside that label just because they're scared of what people might think or that they all need to change their label
1: yeah I i think labels should not be limiting The whole point of labels is that it describes you, it's expansive, it's something that's helpful and affirming to you. And the thing is, it's not helpful and affirming to you, that's why a lot of people don't do labels. They feel limited by it. But a label should be, you know, more so describing your behavior than, and your sense of self and identity, than limiting of it. Where it's not like, oh, because I'm gay, I can't explore doing this. Because I'm straight, I can't explore doing this. Like... You should always be allowed to explore and knowing that, you know, if you're a guy that hooks up with another guy decides it's not for you, that doesn't make you any less straight. You know what I mean? One single action does not dictate your sexual identity. Um, So, yeah, if, if the word is helpful and validating, if it makes you feel a part of a community, helpful. I love bisexual because I think it's such an inclusive term. I think, you know, like, you are attract so many various attractions to various genders, all genders. If you, like, men more than women, you're still bi. If you only hook up with guys uh, and then romantically evolve with whatever it is, you're still bi. I don't see it as a limiting identity. I see it as a very expansive identity, which is, a, in part, why I choose it.
0: Yeah, I like bi as well. It's just, it's just great. It's, it's a great. great label. It's a great label. But even if... Yeah, and you can choose what bisexuality means for you as well. Like, it doesn't mean one thing. Absolutely. You know? Okay. Um. Some people say sex can never be just sex. There's either some level of connection, intimacy, or whatever. It can never be just sex. What do you have to say to that?
1: It depends on the person. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's some people for whom sex is always going to be emotional and connective. And perhaps a more serious endeavor, uh, or a more meaningful endeavor, um, clearly that's not the case for me, you know what I mean, like, I have sex, and of course I'm respectful of these people just because it's casual doesn't mean you can treat them like shit, but, like, it really just is an exploration of each other's bodies, we're using each other for sex just for pleasure, uh, it's a fun activity, sometimes it's like I'm not even attracted to the person, but I'm attracted to the experience, you know what I mean? For example, you know, the throat fucking that we were saying, I don't even know how this guy looks. So it's not about, oh, this guy was so hot and I was turned on by him. It wasn't like, oh, we had this deep connection. It was the fact that it was just wild and anonymous and an adrenaline rush is what turned you on or what turned me on. And so it really this is something you need to describe figure out for yourself. Are you someone where sex really is always gonna be meaningful? If so, then maybe having casual sex or one night stand isn't for you. If it's someone where, you know, you I have meaningful sex and deep sex and the I love you sex, but that's one type of sex for me. I also like the anonymity, I also like the casual, I like friendship, I like kink. So like understanding what different types of sex are for you and being able to engage in them in different ways. I love
0: that. Yeah, and it also it's also like if sex always means something for you, if sex is deeply intimate and you can only do it with people that you love that's fine
1: of course it's fine yeah, yeah and just and don't try to push yourself to being like oh that's not being sex positive or oh i have been. Done- no if this is how you're wired this is how you're wired embrace yeah. it and really look for those meaningful connections so you can have a meaningful sex life in
0: yeah. casual sex i think you are not born good At Casual sex I think it also takes practice to be good at casual sex and learn to have sex just for sex but you don't have to get good at it if you don't want to but if you do it takes practice so it's just what you want to do with yourself and your sex life.
1: Yeah absolutely.
0: I want to talk about breakups and how most people see them as a failed relationship but in the non-monogamous world this isn't a box we live by it's more like We had this relationship, and now it's over, and I'm thankful for it, but that doesn't mean it was a fucking failure. It means we're just not compatible anymore, or whatever happened. But it doesn't have to mean anything bad to end a relationship.
1: It's so, like, this idea that, like, longevity is what constitutes relationship success is actually absurd to me. Where it's like, I know these, you know, older couples who have been together for 40, 50 years, and they're miserable. They are miserable, but they'll never get divorced because they see that as a failure. And then among other reasons why they don't want to get divorced, but it's like, to me, I'm like, that is not a successful relationship. That actually sounds like a terrible relationship Mm -hmm. where you were essentially in jail for 30 years (laughs) and you viewed this as a success. That's sad for you. Like, Versus I can look back on my relationships, even ones that have ended poorly, but being like, wow, this was a great year of my life and I would not change that for the world. Mm Uh, I think for me, because I also do not want to have kids, there's less of a pressure. You know, if I really wanted to have kids and I wanted to have them by a certain time period, being like, okay, I'm trying to build something with someone. I'm now 37 and, like, I want to get a move on. That's different. Because I don't want to have kids, this actually makes longevity a little less important to me. But, like... I think if you know when to end a relationship before it becomes bitter and toxic and resentful, I think that is a beautiful thing. And you can look back on it with such joy the way I'm able to look back on many of my relationships.
0: Yeah. I like being friends with my exes. There's only one ex that I'm not on talking terms with and it's because of him. I would totally be friends with him. But what do you think about being friends with your exes?
1: Again, it's up to you. You know what I mean? I think some people are cut out for it. I think some people are not cut out for it.
0: But it's possible. Of
1: course it's possible. Um, I think some people are quick to do it in a way that's like, don't talk for six months, then try to be friends. But they try to be friends immediately afterwards. It's because they're maybe hoping they get back together. There's still feelings involved. They're not willing to let go. They're hoping for a level of closure. That you cannot get closure from the other person. You get it from yourself, my dude. Like, that's not... Don't expect this from someone else. So I think sometimes we're too quick to try to be best friends. And we often see it as, like, a sign of maturity. Where it's like, oh, we had a healthy breakup. It's because we're mature and we can be friends. And I'm like, just breathe. Take a step back. If you guys are going to be each other's life for the next 30 years, waiting three months does not matter. Um... And there's exes that I'm very close friends with and exes that I do not talk to and never want to talk to. So, like, it also depends on the ex and why you broke up and what your relationship was like.
0: For sure. You introduced a term in your book that I was not very familiar with. It's called sexuality. Yes. Can you please explain what that is?
1: Sure. So, I think... It's often easier to explain in the context of being the opposite of demisexual, because people are familiar with that term. Um, And demisexual means that you only have a sexual attraction to someone once you have an emotional connection. So you don't see someone on the street and be like, oh my god, they're so hot, I want to fuck them. It's like only after you have a deep heart-to-heart do you want to fuck them. Now, sexual is kind of the opposite, where it's actually as you grow and have an emotional connection with them, you don't want to have sex with them. Um, And, you know, this could be for many reasons. You know, it could just be you have some um, relationship phobias. You know what I mean? Are you having struggle with emotional connection? And I'm not saying I'm not taking that away. But I think some people are more hardwired where sex for them is about the novelty, the newness, the excitement of it. And for me, you know, I for years, I thought like something was wrong with me where like I'd have these loving relationships. The sex was good. And like. I'd be getting creative and weird and kinky and different and still I kind of didn't, I lost my desire to have sex with them and I thought like, oh, I I must have some childhood trauma I'm suppressing. Oh, this is emotional avoidance or relationship avoidance and it wasn't that. So it just kind of felt very affirming and it kind of taught me that like, okay, sex, while important in my life might not be the glue that holds my relationship together with my partner. And I think it's often very common if you've been together for many years for your sex life to dwindle. That's not uncommon. For me, it just happens a little bit sooner. I've also learned ways to ward this off is getting really fucking kinky. So with your partner, so you start doing some weird kinky shit with them that makes me want to have sex with them more, allows it to prolong. But, you know, you can have other forms of deep romantic connection that don't surround sex. And that's also important to... To, um, embrace. But, you know, like, you know, as I spoke about it in the book, I was worried that I was, like, enabling emotionally avoidant men. You know what I mean for them being like, oh, I have this thing, so I don't have to, What's like, I want you to I be, have
0: to fuck other people. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I'm gonna be a dick and fuck other people, so I don't want to fuck you more than twice. Like, like, I don't, and it's like, emotionally avoidant people are always gonna use whatever they want to be emotionally avoidant. And, um, Honestly, I think I'd much rather you admit this up front than start having sex with someone after four times. Like, yeah, I don't have sex with you. I have this, like, again, you're giving an opportunity for people to opt in because if there's someone who's like, I need to have sex with my partner every single day and that's important for me, and you're not that person, then yeah, this is not going to work out long term. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to kind of convey your sexual desires and what sex means to you when you're in a more committed relationship. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, lastly, only because I need to know... Because I've heard you talk about it. I mean, your anal sex tips that you keep saying you're different from other sex experts. Like, what, what are your secrets? Oh,
1: my God. I mean, I'm not always talking about this. i just talking about <laughs> it a little bit. But it's it just kind of like... I, I do get a little frustrated when I see, like, anal workshops, and it's like, make sure to breathe, use a lot of lube. They're all the same. And, Go and,
0: slow, work your way up, and use a lot of lube. Literally, that's it.
1: And it's just like, that. that's not helpful. Like, like I mean, I mean it is helpful, but it's just like, okay, like, you could read nine articles about this.
0: Yeah. For yeah. me,
1: there are uh, some additional techniques, and I learned this from Dr. Carlson, Wait, right, that's his name, on Instagram, who's, like, a gay butt doctor. But he calls it the clock technique. Where essentially, what you do is you press up for 15 seconds, press the side to 15 seconds down, and the other side. So it's about a minute. And this will actually help loosen your anal muscles. So all of a sudden, you'll feel them like whoo, expand, which allows you to be significantly less tighter. And again, it's, it could be a little bit awkward if they don't know what you're doing, but it's just like it takes a minute and that really helps them expand. There's also a lot of stuff on anal aftercare. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, some doctors will prescribe hydrocortisone cream. Uh, and then other doctors will be like, absolutely not. You should absolutely not do this. This, like, thins the anal lining. You're going to end up getting into trouble. Um, my doctor is someone who would never prescribe it to me. Yet I've had other doctors being like, this helps. And it undeniably helps short-term. However, potentially long-term use can cause some issues. What
0: does that do? What is this cream all about? Uh, it
1: just it really helps you get rid of your anal fissures and your okay, pain okay, you have okay. afterwards. But there is also something called Kamal... How do you pronounce it? C-A-L-M-O-L-4, which is like, you don't need a prescription for it. It's over the counter. You can buy it on Amazon and it's an anal suppository, which can help you if you get anal fissures afterwards. I have a very tight butthole. Sometimes I use spit instead of lube because I'm in the moment I'm excited. So like I have to do some anal aftercare. Um, and I think those are some like kind of tips that people don't necessarily talk about. There's also like douching. People have a tendency to over douche. Uh, which, again, if you're taking, like, a a normal-sized dick, you really don't need to douche for more than five minutes. But if you start douching for more than five minutes, you go up past your intestinal lining. So, all of a sudden, now you're... Now, it's, like, either it's five minutes of douching or it becomes an hour of douching. So, like, unless if you're a porn star going on set, you don't want to over-douche. It's a pain in the ass. Um, also, it actually increases the risk of certain STIs, um... So you don't want to do that. It's also just a pain and not good for your butthole, right? So like, uh, and then of course they're like fiber supplements, which are helpful uh, to just kind of help you have consistent regular poops that are not too hard, not too soft. However, you have to drink a lot of water with fiber pills. uh, Otherwise you end up feeling bloated. I actually still feel bloated even if I drink a ton of water and do a little bit of fiber pills. So I cannot do them because I feel kind of gross. Um, but those are important things to do, um, as well. Obviously there are poppers, which I have a bunch of right there, which is quite funny. <laughs> um, and poppers help expand your asshole. So, and it also gives you like a high rush. Uh, a lot of gay men use them. One thing to note that like, if you were taking Viagra, you cannot take poppers, especially if you're older, you can have a heart attack and die because both of them are effect- affecting your blood, um, vessels in that way. Uh, And generally, what happens is people take poppers to be loose, but it's like, if you can't take a dick without taking poppers, that means you're going to end up tearing your butthole. It's going to be painful. So, like, still don't just use poppers instead of relaxing and loosening up because you just want to take dick quickly. Like, you'll end up in pain afterwards. So those are some just additional pro tips for you.
0: Wow. the Inside scoop.
1: Inside scoop, baby. Yeah.
0: After hearing all of Zach's anal tips, I also wanted to let you know that Beducated has 10 courses on anal pleasure. Anything you've ever wanted to know, they have it. Anywhere from your basics to the complete guide, to pegging, to fisting, you will find it here. It might not be the Boy Sluts personal experience, but this is curated by experts. And it's an amazing guide with real people, real bodies, and amazing techniques. Beducated is running 60% off right now with code Alexa. This is their biggest discount yet. You can try the platform for free for 24 hours and see if you want to commit. You're going to love it. But if by some miracle you don't, they have a 14-day money-back guarantee. So the only question that we have to answer now is, are you ready to get educated and improve your sex life? Go get it. Okay, Zach, where can people find you?
1: Oh my god, I'm very googlable. Uh, but no, so- he's
0: literally famous. He gets stopped on the street whenever we're together. Oh my god. He, everyone knows who he is. Oh
1: my god, i insane. I pay them so much money. <laughs> I pay these like hired actors to like, can you just stop me on the street when I'm with Alexa? You
0: already had me. You didn't have to impress me, Zach. Oh, thank you, <laughs>
1: honey. Um, so Zachary Zane underscore on Instagram. Uh, I post a lot there. My website zacharyzane.com, and of course Google boy slut, one word. Um, And you can buy my book on Amazon, at bookstores, at libraries, everywhere. I also have that nonfiction erotica zine, also called Boy Slut, which is either very good marketing and branding or extremely confusing. Uh, But that's like like real sex stories that me and other writers write. It is so fun. It is hot. It is horny. You will jack off to it. People love telling me exactly where they came. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my god, thank you. Um, And yeah, that's kind of the main stuff, but Google Zachary Zane, Google Boy Slut, and you will uh, find all about me.
0: Amazing. Okay, Zach, what is something you wish more people knew about you? Or asked you more about?
1: Oh my goodness. I feel like people know too much about me. They know plenty (laughs) about me. Know less about me. No, I've done that to myself. Um, What I wish they knew more about me. Uh, So... I don't, I don't know if I wish. I, I'm just going to share this. I don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly how to answer this question. Uh, so I recently won a chess tournament. It was my first one <laughs> that I did in person. And I have a little trophy. Okay, ch-
0: uh, Zach is amazing at chess. I've watched him play chess and it's mesmerizing. It's so fun.
1: I love chess. And the reason why I almost started doing it, it was, it was really helpful for my anxiety. Like literally, if I was getting anxious about something, to play a 10 minute game. So I have 10 minutes. He has 10 minutes. 20 minutes where I can literally only focus on one thing. It requires so much attention and focus that it gets me to focus on something instead of my anxiety or my anxious looping. And then 20 minutes later, I come back to that problem, being able to breathe, no longer being as anxious. So it was like this therapeutic tool for me. But after, as a very anxious boy, I played a lot of chess and I actually got quite good at it. So this was my first tournament and I actually won the championship league. So I was very, very excited and very motivated to start competing more.
0: Aw, that's amazing. Okay. What is something you wish more people did?
1: Oh, my God. Um, I feel like I answered this already. (laughs) I'm trying to answer a new one. you have to do a new one. I have a new one because I was in the last episode, too. I just wish people were more honest about their desires. Uh, And I, like, to themselves and to their partners and just... I find it so sexy and so empowering when people just own what it is that they like in any capacity. Whether it is sex, whether it is chess, whether it is art or this. And being like, yeah, proud to own who they are.
0: Okay. And something you wish people did less.
1: Oh my god. Um, I, I wish people would... On gay hookup apps, not say that they are coming over and then immediately block you after you've been waiting for them for an hour, and you're like, "What the fuck, dude? You said you were on your way, and I stayed up an hour to fuck you, and now you literally blocked me for no goddamn reason after we've been texting this whole time."
0: That sounds like a fresh wound. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen
1: to me that often. It happens to some friends like mm-hmm. very frequently to the point that like I would cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does not happen to me as often, but it definitely does happen, and it's just like. It, why do you like
0: frustrating but
1: yeah. i don't know if what happened was like oh he was messaging a few guys and he decided to go with the guy he was more attracted to mm-hmm. and therefore he's like oh, sorry and stuff canceling being like hey he just like blocked yeah. but it's just like you said you were on your fucking way you also have my address and i hate that yeah <laughs> which is like oh god now you know where i live mm-hmm. um so yeah. don't be a flake that's i wish people were less less flake. flaky yeah
0: okay well thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. again thank i appreciate my pleasure, it always are you ready to turn off the lights
1: i'm so ready <laughs> Good.
0: We did, we did it oh my god okay turn on the ac